Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. Hi, I'm Joseph Whitney. And I'm David Campbell. Welcome to Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction technology, processes, and beer. And David, welcome to another episode of Brewing with BIM. We've got Jim Martin here with us today, and this is an exciting episode. It is. It's our first interview. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm pretty excited about it, uh, especially since we got uh, Jim Martin on the line. Yeah, Jim Martin, man. Jim, say hello to the, the people of the internet. Hello, internet. So nice to speak to everyone. Yeah, the internet's new for you, right? You're an it older is, guy, right? A new thing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an older guy. I, I, I live in Missouri, so you know, we just got running water recently. So uh, the internet. <laughs> very, very well, well, I, I just wanted to say congratulations on the uh, the Super Bowl. Um, it was um, bittersweet for me. So. Congrats well, to was, you, man. It was awesome for, for us, and, and you know, I, I obviously did my part by not watching mm. any of it. <laughs> well, that was the rule. It, they were doing great, until and, and you hadn't watched, so you couldn't watch the final. Well, I watched four of their games all year, and they lost every game that I watched. <laughs> I was banned to the basement during all the playoff games and the Super Bowl. I got laundry done. I got projects done. I was not even allowed to watch any of the games. I bet that honeydew list is shorter and shorter now. Oh, absolutely. It's amazing how much got done during the Super Bowl and during the games. Oh, man. Well, congrats, congrats. Well, before we get too deep in this, talk about who you are and why we're having you on. i got to ask you, man, what are you guys drinking? So I am drinking a uh, Boulevard KC Pills little hometown brew um, that uh, I keep a few of them in my fridge, mainly because it does say KC on the front, but uh, <laughs> also a good lager, 100% malt. Uh, you know, I really like it. It's a good flavor beer. All right. All right. Nice. David, what do you got going on over there, bud? So I am drinking a Nut Crusher Peanut Butter Porter from Wild Ride Brew out of Man, Redmond. You guys, you're like these – beers way out in left field you got the blueberry and the man you're you're, you're really out there i love it <laughs> dude i do too i mean anything that uh says peanut butter on it pretty much screams at me but i <laughs> i always love these darker full flavored beers i used to love milk stouts i've gotten off of those obviously but um these quarters <laughs> you know obviously i can't drink any more you milk stouts <laughs> gosh go to portland get a dairy allergy gosh ridiculous, ridiculous. Oh, rough. oh man well i'm uh i wanted to class things up a little bit we got jim on this is you know this is a big deal for us with our first interview uh i got like 10 more lined up looking forward to the future uh but today, you know, Jim sent me a picture a while back of him drinking some scotch and, you know, he said he was listening to the podcast. So I figured today I'm, you know, I'm going to do an ode to Jim. So I busted out the scotch again. I got the, the Lafroy and, uh, man, it's, it's so delicious. Very good choice. 
Oh. I'm looking at my bottle of Macallan and going, it was trying to decide to go between the Macallan and, uh, and a good Casey Pills today. And <laughs> it's almost 60 degrees outside here in Kansas City, so I decided to go for the beer. There oh, you go. all right. There you go. Nice, man. Nice. Well, um, again, man, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're looking forward to kind of diving into some stuff with you. We really wanted to kind of take a step back and ask you some questions, get to know you a little bit. Um, of course, we know your your history, and um, you know we've inter- interacted with you guys for a little bit. And the reason why, I guess, we should tell the the inner the interwebs here why we have Jim Martin on the podcast. Jim is kind of a legend uh, when it comes to verification and uh, survey equipment and drones and all that stuff and technology. He's just a forward looking guy. So we wanted to have him on. Uh, talk to you guys about who he is and um, kind of things that we're excited for in the industry. So with that, um, David, I'll let you, uh, I know we were talking about uh, doing some questions for Jim. Did you want to start asking those, that history? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, Jim, one big thing I wanted to know is um, what did you, uh, you know what, actually, let's just, let's just get an overall history first and let's go through it. Where did you start with all of this? How did you get to where you are now? Sure, sure. So um, I'll skip my childhood years. We'll just go right into college. <laughs> Those can be interesting. <laughs> I don't want to get all that boring. But I spent a year in college and hated college, so then uh, decided that I would join the uh, Navy. So I was a Navy guy for a while. And about halfway through my uh, four-year stint in the Navy, I got a call from my dad saying, hey, you want to come to work for me? Now, my dad owned a small survey supply company in Kansas City, selling land so, surveying equipment. Second what did oldest, you do in the Navy? I was a medical lab tech. I was a hospital corpsman. So uh, I, was, I was actually in right in between the two Gulf Wars. So absolutely nothing happened in the four <laughs> years. It, it was the calmest time in the military in like the last hundred years. So you're welcome. I just figured nobody dared attack the United States while I was in the military. Oh, yes. You all are very welcome. <laughs> Call me back anytime to get all these problems solved. Oh man, I watched those. Right. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow uh, Pat McNamara on LinkedIn, the uh, uh, basic dude, uh, dude skills. Do you guys look at that at all? No, no. I haven't seen those. All right, no. so he's like this ex like special forces guy, and his he's got these short funny videos about like being a basic dude, doing basic dude stuff, like. Learning how to tow people or um, shooting a gun, you know, stupid stuff like that. And I'm sitting there thinking like, all right, this guy fought in several wars. This manly man actually went to war. No offense, Jim, but you scared the, you know, you scared everybody away. You scared and, uh, You know, it's all better if you never have to. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Love yeah. it. So in my boring time in the United States Navy, I was I was stationed in Jacksonville, Florida for uh, – for my last three years, the first year was all trainings and things like that. Is that a so party place? Place? A lot of party in there? I'm just just Jacksonville. Just, I, I was there the year the, uh, the Jaguars started, which was very cool to see the Jacksonville Jaguars first year in in uh, Jacksonville. Too bad they really haven't won much since then. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a That's game awesome. or two. That's yeah, awesome. exactly. Yeah. They got Minshew fever though. I I, oh, I had Minshew yeah. fever there for a little bit. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so anyways, there in Jacksonville, Florida, my dad calls me up, and says, "Hey, you want to come to work for me when you get out?" And I said, "Sure." What do you do? Now you'd think, growing up, in with my dad doing this every day for thirty some odd years, I'd know what he did, but I really, I didn't have a clue. 
didn't know what Lancer Ring was, didn't know what uh, little stations were, didn't know anything at all. So he said, just come to work for me and you'll figure it out as you as you go. Like, oh, okay. So I came to work for him and learning everything from the ground up. And uh, I mean, first things I did was uh, uh, repair steel tapes and, and uh, prism poles and and work on some calibrations. And uh, then after about a year, we had a guy working for us who was our GPS guy that quit. And I swear the very next day, every GPS system we ever sold broke and customers calling us up going, hey, this stuff's not working. Like, quickly had to go, well, I better figure out how this stuff works. And uh, I give a lot of credit to Eduardo Falcon, who's now the, the executive vice president of geopositioning at Topcon. At the time, he had written some software um, for Topcon and would actually be the guy that would answer the phone when you call in for some tech support on this software. And rather than just say, yeah, click this button, click this button, that'll fix it, he would give me a lecture about how GPS worked every time I called in. So I learned a lot from him. And then I also just learned a lot from being thrown in the fire of uh, stuff either works or customers bringing their equipment back and want, want their money back. So uh, uh, I've pretty much kind of learned the industry from the ground up. Um, and I've had some great uh, land surveyors that I work with that would just take me out and I'd spend all day with them, teaching them how to use equipment, then teaching me why they're using the equipment. Okay. Like, did that right up until uh, Topcon bought us back in uh, 2017, and then uh, ran their the branch there in Kansas City for a year, and then uh, they had me move me into the job I'm doing now, which is the geopositioning sales manager for uh, all 13 stores. Yeah. Very cool. So it's funny, man. Uh, I know you're so you're the geopositioning sales manager. But you kind of act still like a, a technical support guy because I swear uh, you always get the, the brunt of, a, hey, nobody knows how to do this. Call Jim Martin. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that has actually happened to me for quite a long time. And I just – I always like to know how something works and really get, get to know deep into it because, again, back to what Eduardo thought was don't just know what buttons to push. Know why you're pushing the buttons. If you know why you're pushing the buttons, and you don't need to call back with the next question. Yes. So, you know, I was always really big in learning what's what's happening. Why is it? Why does the software work a certain way? Why does the hardware work a certain way? Why does a customer want it to work a certain way? And then how does everything all fit together? And uh, yeah, I just kind of accumulate some knowledge that way of breaking things and fixing it, or having customers that break things, and you got to fix them to to make them happy. Yeah. yeah, knowing the, the why you're doing something is 100%. Like, because we can optimize everything with software all we want, but if you're, uh, you tell somebody about shooting a resection and they don't know about shooting outside their angles or anything like that, you can really mess something up. Oh, um, easily. easily. It's, I mean, I, I was doing a GPS project one time, and, and uh, I want to say it took me three days to discover my problem. And, and of course, the Meantime, the customer's mad at me because I keep giving them the wrong answer. But the software is giving me an answer, and the answer looks right, but they're telling me it's wrong. And then all of a sudden, I learned what was happening as I was trying to do a project in a Kansas State Plain North when the project was in Wichita, Kansas, which is in Kansas State Plain South. And you come up with really goofy numbers. And, and then I learned the difference between North and South and why you use State Plains and, 
and I guarantee I'd never make that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, the state plane stuff's caught me before too. The what do you think about all this new stuff that's going? On? I guess uh, 2022, 2021, well, new datum. 2022 and and all the low distortion projections everybody's doing. You know, you know we're kind of getting outside the BIM thing. This is all in the geopositioning world and the GPS and the. Wow, it, it's the, construction technology. Now, it plays. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's all, it's all numbers and math. What I always tell everybody is they, they get deep down into it of what's going on. What about this latitude and longitude WGS 84, NAD 83, state plane, yada, yada. And I always look at it and I was like, what's the end result you're trying to get to? Some people, the end result is they want to print out a piece of paper and show this pretty flat. It's like, well, then don't worry about it. Or I need to build a building. It's like you're building a building here. It's going to be inside this, this thousand foot by thousand foot plat of land. You don't care about state plane coordinates and stuff like that. Yeah. Dropping it onto a GIS system where it's going to match what somebody did two years, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and they need, it needs to perpetuate for two, 10, 20, a hundred years. Then you might need to worry about it, yeah. but the building's still going to be inside the, the boundary, whether you get a state plane coordinate correct or, or, or not, you know, as long as you're putting it inside those four corners and putting it where it's supposed to go inside that, those four corners, geodetics really doesn't matter too much. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you brought up an interesting thing that David and I talk about quite a bit. Uh, we're starting to dive in a little bit more. Um, GIS in BIM. So we're talking about the life cycle of the building as it progresses. Um, and GIS, which kind of my background that, you know, was kind of more refined to just government. Not a lot of people doing it too much. A few surveyors here and there. Um, but now I'm starting to see GIS pop up a bit more. What's your whole take on this as somebody who's probably seen GIS come in? come and die off uh but now as you're focusing more on the, the vertical stuff um how it how it's all going to play together have you given that any thought oh i think gis and bim are, are two sides of the same coin mm. uh you know if, if if you look what i think is the dream of bim bim being everything it's supposed to be to where you know everything about every component inside a building when it was installed when it was manufactured who who's the actual you know uh um, technician installed it uh, when it was, was replaced, what's its life cycle? You're knowing information about something, and then you know where it is inside the building. That's GIS on a smaller scale. You know, if you talk about a manhole in a uh, uh, or manhole in a uh, in a city, you know where that manhole is. You know when it was installed. You know what kind it is, what the inflow, what the outflow, uh, what its life cycle is. That's GIS. That's BIM in a building. It is. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what we've been talking about. I mean, it's awesome to kind of take that that dive and and if you can really pull all of that information <laughs> from from your model from I mean just having a database, I guess, in general to be able to pull that information from it would be amazing, and to see it is. It in depth, as you're saying, would be very uh, worthwhile. And just be able to know absolutely everything. Imagine you're just you own a building and you can just simply pull it up and know everything about the. Uh, yeah, I got to replace a light bulb on the 67th floor in the uh, men's bathroom in the northwest corner, and I know that it's a LED model XYZ uh, coming yep. from the manufacturer. And the the replacement is I got three different options of replacement. How much money do I want to spend? Mm -hmm. What life cycle do I want? Things like that. I can just pull that right up from the database. 
Yeah, and imagine if you have like a stock that you're pulling from. That's amazing if you have like a oh. stock and then you pull from that database and then it reorders parts for, for you as you're utilizing them in the different equipment of the building that you're managing. Well, think oh. about multiple buildings, right? So think oh, yeah. about like uh, somebody like Property JLL management. who's managing a lot of buildings, right? Um, mm -hmm. If they are responsible for replacing, you know, 10,000 of the same light bulb, they're going to keep a warehouse of that light bulb in the oh, order in bulk. I mean, yeah. it makes sense. You know, we, we all worry about everybody thinks BIM is just the, the 3D model of a building. It's like, no, 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 that's just the beginning. No. That's just a, it's just a small portion of what, what BIM really, I think, is, is really designed to be. For well, me, everybody... it's the eye. I mean, it's got to be the eye. It's the information yeah. from that building, from that model. That's the most hey. important piece. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So a lot, you, you guys hit the nail on the head. Um, ever, so, I mean, it kind of goes to back to what everybody thought Revit was. So obviously there's this connotation when people say BIM, they're like, oh, you're using Revit. Got it. You know, that may or may not be the, the, the case. But that said, they always think of Revit as this model of this um, – geometry generation tool, right? It's a design tool. It's made used to make pretty pictures. And then post-design, they don't really think about, outside of running clash detection, they don't really think about the information making its way back into the model or using that information further downstream. It wasn't until what? Um, and Jim, I'll probably quiz you on this because you, you might actually know this, but uh, when, when was it, do you think, that people started really using that building geometry inside of a model to actually place points to do layout? Ooh, that's a good question. Probably, this sounds weird, but probably before I really got into it deep, um, you know, I, coming from my surveying background, primarily what we dealt with was land surveyors, and we had some construction firms that we sold equipment to. And some of those were even some fairly large firms, so they were just using our equipment just to lay out points. And then at some point, they realized, hey, we need to create a BIM department. And that's what they did: is they create a BIM, and I started hearing this BIM term, and when that BIM department and BIM term turned into, hey, let's pull points from a model to lay out, I, I, I can't really tell you. I'm not really sure. Um, I probably learned more about it maybe about five years ago. Um, but I think it's been this evolving thing that, you know, some really large construction firms were still just pulling points from uh, AutoCAD drawing files, DWGs. And, you know, they would go from – they might see a model and then create a DWG and pull points from there. And I'm sure it had – it was just different parts of the country probably adopted it at a different rate. I mean, like I said, we just got running water around here not two years – not too long ago. <laughs> so, so actually getting that point we're pulling uh, points from a, a model is a, is a big step for us. Yeah. yeah. You know what's and, crazy? And Sorry, to, uh, I just coming from so growing up in the Midwest and coming out to the Pacific Northwest, seeing the technology gap, you know, it, it's real. It's huge how the adaptation kind of changes uh, of, you know, adaptation of technology kind of changes as you go throughout the country. And we even look back at, at uh, just from the equipment standpoint, when these com country or companies started using robotics, so robotics came out. And the East Coast and the West Coast, West Coast adopted them fairly quickly. Yep. It was two more years before here in the Midwest that that customers really realized that robotics were what you had to have. Um, we could show a customer a robot, and all they saw was the at the time sixty, seventy thousand dollar price tag, and yep. didn't see how much savings 
in labor and time that you could get out of a robot. Where, you know, in Los Angeles and New York and Washington, D.C., you didn't, they weren't selling manual total stations anymore. It was just robotics. It was just amazing that, that gap difference. And GPS, we had the same thing. Same thing happened. We were about two years delayed from uh, each coast. But again, that was 10, 15 years ago and uh, way before the internet. <laughs> so <laughs> it's amazing how much faster knowledge goes around nowadays. I kind of, I kind of had the fortune of coming in later and later on in all this, you're talking about like post adoption. I had the privilege of working for a land surveyor like nine years ago who everything on our, our crew, everything we ran was total robotics. We wouldn't run anything other than a total robotics station. Um, so like hearing people are still running into people that are, that are running like really old, you know, stuff from the eighties and nineties. I'm like, how, like, oh, yeah. why you're, you're fighting a, yourself. We had a customer in the early, early 2000, 2001, 2002, sometime around there and surveyor still hand drawing all of his plats. Didn't have a plotter, didn't have a CAD program, still hand drawing everything. Oh, fun times. Yeah. Has he heard of this little thing called AutoCAD? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a small invention came out. You know what's yeah. crazy and is when I started in the uh, when I started in the industry it was right about 2015, 2016. That's when I started drafting as a, a CAD and Revit draftsman. And um, actually, right, probably right around 2013, I guess. Um, but right at around that time, I, I started you know going around to different architecture firms, and the first one I had started at, they were still hand drafting. I had an architect that would hand draft everything and I they didn't want it going it. into CAD. Sounds weird. I could see an architect do that just because of the artistry of it. I mean, now it's a, it's almost a lost art. Um, I, I, I know I engineering departments for large cities that um, their engineers hand draft stuff and then their awesome. CAD technicians have to reverse engineer it. Yep. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> just <pop back. laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so so I mean that's land surveyors. Are you seeing similar adoption uh, of technology and the vertical side in the building space? Um, just curious, like how many customers, how many general contractors are you running to today that are still pulling tape or Midwest, East Coast, or West Coast? Yeah, not a, not many, not many. Now all of them still have the tape around because I think they do realize that there is a. Uh, uh, Everything we sell is a tool. A robotic total station is a tool. A, a tape measure is a tool. And there's always a right place and the right time for the right tool. So there are times it's not worth it to pull a robot out to square up a wall, especially if somebody who really knows how to square up a wall with the tape really fast. So uh, now it's definitely less and less. I mean, I used to sell these uh, chrome-clad 100-foot steel tapes, the uh, Lufkin model OC-1266Ds. And we sold a ton of these things. And now I bet I sell one every two or three years. Uh, I mean, it was like the gold standard for a steel tape to use on a construction site. Um, and so I, I, I don't even know if we even have one in stock anywhere in all 13 stores because it's so rare to sell one. Well, I think people are going to hear this podcast and they're going to rush out to buy them tomorrow. <laughs> I hope so. I remember when I was first started selling them, these steel tapes cost about um, uh, it was about fifty cents a foot, and now they're about four bucks a foot. So uh, 
Yeah, hundred foot tapes about four to four to four hundred fifty bucks. So I'd hope to sell lots of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it, love it. Yep. All right. So uh, earlier you were mentioning the podcast, uh, Edward Falcon, uh, Eduardo Falcon, uh, mentoring you and giving you kind of um, not you not not the press these buttons, but how and why you're doing this stuff. Um, is you know looking back at the information he gave you and just where you are today, is there anything that you wish you had known back then or known yeah back then that you know now like something that I'm not saying you know lottery numbers or anything like that, but is there anything that you wish that you knew or maybe that you would tell somebody just starting out in that kind of capacity like hey look you know technology changes or something uh, I don't know just uh, a little curious ooh, ooh that's a good question um, yeah. You know, probably uh, take the time to learn it is probably the one thing. Uh, make sure you know what you're talking about. There's been a couple of times I've tried to BS my way through things. and you know. <laughs> we've, we've all been there, man. Yeah. We've all been there. Sure. Until you make yeah, it it's fixed. It works perfect. All you got to look yeah. is a fix. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, don't be afraid to ask. The other thing that I, I was always scared, I always felt like uh, because I was, you know, I was – dad's kid coming to work so uh clearly i always had kind of this complex and nobody really respected what i knew um uh be proud of what you do know um you know i i got to the point where i was the guy teaching land surveyors how to do gps work and how to do uh accurate surveys and how to use their equipment properly and i was actually considered uh the expert in some fields and in some aspects of of GPS and where these guys have been land surveying for 40 and 50 years, but GPS was such a new, different way of doing this work that uh, now I've been around for 10 years at most, and here I'm teaching these guys as if they didn't know anything. And that's okay. New technology does that, it makes this big change, this, this dramatic change. So it's humbling. Embrace, yeah, yeah it embrace the new technology and learn it well and become the expert at it and uh, be proud of being the expert at it. I like right. that. I like that I like a that lot. Too. That was, yeah. yeah. You mentioned, again, Eduardo Falcon, and then, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions, that sort of stuff. Were there any other resources that kind of helped you along this journey? This sounds weird, but actually I had a couple really good Topcon regional managers. Uh, and the regional manager's job is to get dealers to sell more stuff. So I had a couple really good ones. Joe Binder was one of them. Um, uh, believe it or not, Matt Marchioni, who we ha still have now, was one of them. Um, uh, we got some guys who are really good about uh, helping me learn and realizing that uh, that I really wanted to learn and know the stuff inside and out, and, and they would find me um, uh, information that I needed so I could understand this equipment really well. Well, I think people um, recognize that you have a curiosity and a passion I've ran into numerous people that have known you in a prior life that have said, oh, I used to call up Jim about this and this. And whenever you, you know, this technology just came out, you know, he didn't know it. He told me he didn't know it, but he said, I'll get you an answer. I'll figure it out. Um, so, you know, you kind of exuded that, uh, you know, I, I want to help you. I want to get that answer. I really want to know this. Well, um, I hope I, I, that was my thing is not only did if they had a question and I didn't know it, that meant I wanted to know it. Yeah. I needed to go find out and because I knew somebody else would have the same question. Uh, and then 
answering those questions usually helped me understand what was going on. Because uh, again, I didn't grow up doing land surveying. I didn't um, uh, grow up doing construction layout. So a lot of the stuff was all new. Most of the stuff was new to me getting into it. Um, and you'd think with my dad owning a company that sold land surveying equipment, I'd have a little more experience to it. But the only thing I remember about being a kid at, uh, at Griner and Schmidt's, the store we were at, was they had tack balls. So I could get tack balls and throw them at my older brother. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the other fun thing was getting a uh, roll of tape and measuring how far it was around the office because it was just kind of cool to run around and see this thing roll and measure things. And then I laugh because then when I bring my kids to the office, they do the exact same thing. They get tack balls <laughs> and throw them at each other and play with the, uh, the roll of tapes. Yeah, n- never mind that you could tell them that, hey, look, there's a scanner right next to you or a drone or something that – and <laughs> talk about the ridiculous technology that goes into it and the uses that you can have at it. They're just going to – eh, I want to No, 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 no. Yeah, what's the pink ball for? Here, let me throw it at my brother. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, so I guess kind of with that, I do want to talk, talk about BIM, right? Um, uh, you and David did this, uh, I should say David and you, did this um, uh, kind of booth hosting thing at Autodesk University uh, for a construction day thing. And you guys were talking about verification workflows. And I know David's been preaching it nonstop, so much so that I think my ears bleed, but that's okay. Love it. Um, you know, about very passionate about something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we've 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 done some stuff together recently, and it's gone very well with the scan. So, looking forward to you know showing the clear edge and and all that stuff. But um, you know, I want to talk verification workflows for you. I want to talk scanning technology and kind of how it's changed and transitioned over the years. I know uh, you and I probably chatted. Uh, this might have been a year and a half ago. We were talking about scanners um, and how they. Uh, maybe it was a year ago. I don't know, but uh, how they weren't—they weren't commonplace. Not even—not even a year ago. I mean, they were—they were getting there, but today yeah. it just seems like they're everywhere. Um, yeah. and, and I think it really is the verification that you're talking about that really led to the proliferation of scanners, because uh, you know it's not a layout tool. Uh, it's tell me what's their tool. You know, tell me what what's existing tool, yep. and. Uh, especially if you want to know, hey, what's there today that wasn't there yesterday, and uh, which is kind of construction verification. Is it is it where it's supposed to be? And, uh, you know, before when it would take them, hey, I'm going to go out and take a tape measure and measure a few things and hope the rest of them match that one, uh, and then you discover problems six, eight, nine months, a year down the road. Now discover these problems so much faster, and, you know, any construction firm that, that – has been around at all, understands that verification is key. You don't want to pay a sub that's doing bad work, but if a sub's really good about hiding their bad work, uh, you're going to get yeah. problems later on. Now you can verify it every day, all day. Yeah, and, and um, with a you know, couple of the verification stuff with those predictive analytics platforms that are you know becoming more prevalent out there, like yep. you can't hide it anymore. Like they're, you oh. know, People are going to find out. They're going to know the quality of your work. Dude, it gets it gets so much deeper too, though. I mean, you can take it even past verification to even picking up, um, like you said, with predictive analytics, safety issues, or any issues that they see on the job site itself that could be 
let's say they know that they're going to be falling behind schedule with these scans and actually tracking the timeline of the project through these scans. Yeah, it's, you know, the, when you start putting something of some intelligence, because, yep. you know, a scanner's kind of dumb. It just tells you what's there. But now you, now you take data and actually have something, something starting to think about that data and focus on that data. And, uh, you know, whether it's, the, the, the current building you're working on, hey, here's all the scans we're doing, here's how we're coming along, here's how we're matching a timeline, here's how we're matching our cost schedule. Um, or you go, all right, here's how we built this building based on the scans and, and the as-built and how things went. This is how we're going to bid and bid and build the next building. Yes. The next yep. Well, I think software is actually just now catching up, I say, within the last you know three, four years, where we're actually able to start you know, leveraging that data, analyzing point clouds. Before, point clouds were seen as this impossible, you know, dense file, you know, 5 yeah, gigabytes, 10 gigabytes, 100 gigabytes. Company, yeah. Some specialized software or machine to actually look at this data and do anything with it. And, and uh, you know, if you didn't have a, a IBM Cray computer or something out there looking at the data, there's no reason to buy a scanner. And now, shoot, process it in my tablet. Give me some yep. Data. Yep. Yeah. Cloud processing, uh, so cloud computing, um, more powerful devices. Uh, I'm seeing, um, you know, construction firms go out and spend five grand on a, on a on a laptop, but that laptop's a workhorse, man. It'll yep. it'll process and stuff. I, and, uh, and I I tell you, I see some of this some of this verification um, software start start. Imagine it being built into a scanner. Yes, thank scan. you. You're scanning and, and you get an answer right then. It's like, yep. hey, that beam's a quarter inch off or, or an inch off. Yep. And you before you even break the scanner down. Yep. Imagine imagine that it's actually real time verification, right? You're walking through. If you have a scanner it, it, and you're going through the site and you're actually able to tell as you scan, it processes, goes into the tablet and analyzes it for you and says, hey, this is it. That's, I mean, it's, it's nuts. That's awesome. You can actually instantly tag it, create an issue, assign that responsibility, and go. Yeah, and I see, I, I, I definitely see that coming because the speed at which somebody can get an answer, the speed at which somebody can, can be uh, assigned an action uh, is what determines how valuable one of these, these tools are. Yep. So, uh, you know, the, the quicker they can get that out, and it's just all about, um, processing and processing speed and you know yeah you know one of the biggest crazes i'm seeing right now is is mobile mobile scanning getting these things to keep going i mean if you can literally tie something that you can just keep moving through this building or through this site with right and and constantly doing this verification kind of workflow or qa qc or doing your walkthrough for any safety issues any you know actual let's say quality or um Gosh, I can't talk today. Quality issues that you're seeing. I mean, it's it's awesome. It really is. So with with uh, verification playing a big part right now, would you say that that's kind of your new favorite part of the industry, or is there something else that you're even more looking forward to? Ooh, uh, probably verification is one, but I really think. Uh, and, and I get it's it's a big buzzword and everybody likes it. But I just think it's very cool is AR. <laughs> and I'm not as much into VR. I like the AR stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. I, you know, I I to me that's the next coolest thing because 
you know, and this is going to sound weird. Top Gun actually has had this for a long time, just not in a wearable. But they have had a, a layout where um, on one of their robotic total stations, you say, I want to do layout, and it would overlay these little symbols to show where the points are. And we actually had that five, six years ago. And I'm like, wouldn't that be cool in a heads-up display? Or imagine yeah. you're an excavator operator, and you're wearing a, a set of – Apple glasses and it's showing you where to dig and it's green and green and green and then red to stop. Yep. And uh, you know, and then you have that in doing construction layout. You're you're putting a beam in place and there is the uh, there's the model and it's kind of a little kind of see through beam right there. You bring this beam right in there till it's right in place. Bolt it down. Lock it down. Yep. Uh, you know, I, to me, AR is just going to be the coolest thing. I mean. Uh, uh, and the hardest thing that's going to be about AR is truly training somebody on how to use it. Yeah, you know, it's, that's... it's a different experience. Um, and, and AR, it's too segmented. There's actually something that goes a little bit better. It's called MR, mixed reality. And it's kind of a hybridization of AR and VR, some mm-hmm. added functionalities that make it more interactive. Um, I, You mentioned you weren't – sorry, my voice is <laughs> horrible right now. Um <laughs> uh, Cracking like I'm hitting puberty, guys. Oh, God. I wasn't going to say it, but I'll let you say it. (laughs) I was going to say that I'm excited for um, that that use. I I keep talking about it in in our podcasts, but with – with maintenance, right? On on any types of pumps or equipment, any facilities management. If you can imagine training someone to – work on this equipment, knowing the maintenance schedules and the typical repairs, the timeline for the, uh, the, the life of this pump or what have you and seeing all that information from a headset. And when they go to do this repair, you know, and again, you haven't talked about it, but breaking this piece down, seeing how you would go through this and learning it. Every time you talk about this, I always tell you, this is already available, David. I know, I know. I'm still excited <laughs> about it. I still, oh, I, gosh. I know this it's is there. Like three-year-old technology, bud. Oh, yeah. This stuff, I mean, you know, I was amazed. My son got this little, uh, he's six, and he got this yep. robot building kit from um, uh, my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And it's this really cool thing. You build this little remote control robot, but the instructions – we're on an iPad, right? To pull them up on the iPad, and it was a every step was a 3D model that you could rotate around and see how a piece fit together. That's awesome. And so he was sitting here just, you know, zooming in and out and rotating, finding which piece went where, and he'd put it on there, and then he'd hit next, go to the next one. There's this next model of where all the parts go. I was like, you know, this is this is for kids' toys nowadays. Yep, it's next level though. I mean, it's it's oh. really awesome. I love it. You know, I. I geeked out over it so hard when I saw it at AU. I just I saw so many booths and they were talking about walking around with these goggles and I was like, this is amazing. Joey said this was out and I'm seeing it, but I still love it. I know it's older, but I can't well, wait until it you know just fully integrates into the whole systems that we have in buildings, in you know uh, well warehouses, in factories, what have you. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some. Re- I've seen some. Sorry, go ahead, man. I keep talking over you, bud. No, that's all right. That's all right. I was just just agreeing. It's definitely coming. I mean, it's going to be, I think, standard. You know, you go buy a set of glasses from somebody, and they're just going to be standard. They're going to be $100 glasses. They Bluetooth into your phone, and there's your overlay right there. Yep. Oh, I'd love them to be $100, man. I don't know if you know what uh, HoloLens <laughs> costs now. They're $100, bud. Yeah, but 
Hey, let's get the di let's get the like James Bond 007 glasses. You know, the actual sunglasses. Give me a pair of aviators. Oh yeah, oh, man. Oh, uh, I can see a, an overlay. Spider-Man: Spider Far From Home with uh, the <laughs> yeah, Edith glasses. There you go. Oh yeah. There yeah. you go, man. Um. So I was gonna say earlier, you guys. So David, you keep talking about this this old technology, and I'm gonna send you a link to this, man. So you can finally like, oh my god, mind blown. Because it is cool. It really is. But I, I've seen people actually start to do design inside of mixed reality. They'll be inside of a space um, and literally designing in the space, like yeah. using the, the headsets in their hands, walking around the space, just adding, you know, pipes here, you know, duck there, all that stuff inside of the space. It's so awesome. Like yeah, being is. able to overlay and actually bring all that information in. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, or maybe if you take it a step further and actually like use a point cloud, sorry, my voice is cracking. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, uh, take a point cloud out and, you know, create a mesh or, or, or a rep model out of it and actually just, you know, bring it in there and do some, uh, modeling VR. I wasn't sold on VR either, Jim, but this is where it got me. I was at Mortensen construction. Their bin manager came out and he said, Hey, come check this out. And they were showing off this hospital room that they had designed and they were selling it to doctors and it was VR goggles. And I'm like, ah, VR is like, that's a static image. Nobody cares. I don't want to walk around this image, but he developed this on unity. So he was, we were grabbing light fixtures and doctor's equipment and just moving it all around the room. It was so awesome. Like it was an interactive experience. It was so great. Yep. Like, um, so I don't know, man, I, I think the old connotation of VR, at least that I had, is is gone like um vr ar mr whatever your r is um just give me a headset somebody just just send me a headset <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude you're, I mean, just, you're just working on it. I, I i saw an article uh last week on uh supposedly apple's new glasses coming out oh and yeah. of course it was somebody who who basically looked at all the patents they had coming out and, and did this mock-up based on the patents. And supposedly, according to some uh, reports that Apple's saying, is their glasses are going to be out in 2020, so sometime this year. Oh. I, I have a joke for you guys, though. Totally BIM unrelated, but I saw it on a billboard today, and I have to share it with you because we're talking Apple. So uh, are you guys ready for it? Look at uh, it. All right. Adam and Eve, the first couple that re didn't read the Apple terms and conditions. There it is. All right. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> you said Apple too many times, man. I couldn't let it slide. Nice. Nice. Oh, all right. I need more scotch. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was ready to head to the fridge, grab another beer. I was going right. to say, uh, I, you know, I tried a, a Macallan 15 the other day. Oh. That was actually a nice pour. That was a nice drink. It is. I really like the 18 when somebody else is buying. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, man. If somebody else is buying, I'll take the 18. I love yeah. the 18 as well for that exact reason. It's Those are pricey bottles. What's the the next one? 21, I think. I have never even, I think, been in that zip code. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Oh, man. I got to try. You know, I'm not, I'm not really a tequila guy either. But uh, one of my buddies in Seattle actually got me a shot, well, just a glass of Don Julio. It was like 1942 or something like that. And uh, I can't – it was a, it was awesome. It was like vanilla and just smooth. 
it was a it was a great drink, honestly. But I realized it's also like two hundred dollars a bottle at the liquor store. Yeah, it's like one hundred and seventy. The Macallan Twenty One is about a grand. Woo! Yeah, that's definitely not my zip code. I don't even think I'm in the same state as that that bottle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones you look at and go, well, I'm not even sure I belong here, but that is a really mm. good looking, <laughs> good looking bottle. <laughs> oh. You, you, David, and I had, um, you know, speaking of smoky drinks, had probably one of my favorite drinks, if not for the taste, but just the cool ambiance and the story that oh, goes with it. Boulevard. Oh. That boulevard where they smoked the whiskey in front of us was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I cherish that memory, guys. Yeah, that was really cool. I keep that on my – pull that out on my phone and show it to people every now and then. Like, this, is, this is how you have a drink. Yes. yes. Uh, and uh, that memory is shortly followed up by a very poor memory. Later that night, David kicked my butt horribly <laughs> in a push-up competition. And, I I am. Video of, and the best part is there was a video of that. There, you know, there's a video. Yeah. Although it's, you did beat me on the bikes, man. That dude did not tell me there was no resistance on that bike. There was zero resistance. I got on ready to go and annihilated myself. I was like, oh, that's not – That's I should go for the taller bike. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you should definitely get on the taller bike, man. Yeah, you sat on the short bike trying to stand up and pedal like yeah, it is. Yeah, it didn't work. Great. Oh, man, that was horrible. Mm. Yeah, that was that was one of these bikes that, like, you, you rode and it would supposedly gave you how much speed and, and power you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. You fill up these light bars the faster you pedal. The more, the more you pedal, the more energy you generate, the faster hey, it no, goes. No, this is going out on the Internet. Things that happen in Vegas are supposed to stay in Vegas. <laughs> well, the videos are already online. They're uh, at brewingwithbim.com underneath the <laughs> forum section, guys. Little plug. Go check them out. Laugh at us. Leave comments. That sort of stuff. We've uh, done a piss poor job on that note of actually putting content up there, but we got to start uh, flooding that. I agree. I agree. We uh, we talked about that this week, and yeah. man, I'm like, man, you know. We do. We need to put more. We need to put our best foot forward, I guess, and try to provide as much content as we can um, out on our forum in terms of videos or whatever we find, interesting articles, things like that. If anybody has an embarrassing video of Jim Martin, too, I would love to put this <laughs> on the internet. Just I have spent a way. lot of money to get those scrubbed off the web. <laughs> no That's why you can't buy the Cali 21, man. That's exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, if anybody knows that those still exist, let me know, because I have been searching long and hard to get those scrubbed off the web. <laughs> it's really hard to get those things off Google. Oh, man. Those guys have the algorithms, man. They do. Oh. All right. Yeah, speaking of a good use of artificial intelligence, find <laughs> all those bad videos. What would, yes. you say, uh, what would you say your favorite part of the industry is? Ooh. My favorite part of being involved in this industry is I drive around Kansas City and I can look at buildings that have gone up that I was somehow involved in. Yeah. And it's really cool. The, uh, the Kauffman Center for Performing Arts, I always love this story because I got to work on the roof of that building. And, and um, <clears throat> the IRS headquarters in downtown Kansas City is a cool building. The National Nuclear Management Agency building in Kansas City when I got to help out with the Liberty Memorial remodel I got to help out with. I just think that being involved in this industry is that's the coolest part. You walk around and go, yep, I helped out with that. Yeah. You know, you, you, you spoke something to my heart there, buddy. 
that is that is actually like what I love more than anything. Like if I know somebody's working on this project and I get to look at that project all the time, I'm like, man, I answered questions about that project. I did consulting on that project. I helped them in some way. And even back when I was surveying and stuff, like looking like um, uh, SMU Cox's business center, uh, every time I go to Texas, I look at it and I'm like, man, I laid that out. I laid that out. Like, yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it. That's, you know, it's funny is that's actually why I got into architecture. I love buildings and I used to love driving down through Chicago, seeing all the architecture there, even just the local buildings, the way that they did things, curtain walls. I loved it. And uh, having that feeling of, man, I, I designed part of that building. I, that was, I drew that curtain wall, you know, I did this, I put all this in. It just, it gives you a feeling of pride and kind of, I don't want to say ownership, but it, it does at the same time. Yeah, it's it like does. I helped do that. That's, there's a little bit of me in that building. Exactly, in, uh, in that community. That it, it, not everything. to think that the building would not have gone up without me, but there's parts no. of that that it probably went up a little easier because of me. Yep, there so, you go. <laughs> I left a little bit there. Yep. Yeah, right, it's, yeah. It's, it's just awesome when I, you know, I go around and then you see these buildings and you know you're a little bit a part of them. Um, and then, you know, downtown Kansas City, my great grandfather was actually head of public works for the city of Kansas City. Excuse me, great, great, great grandfather. I got to get it straight. When they built Union Station in downtown Kansas City back in the early, early, early 1900s. So when I got to help with the remodel work on that project and do some of the layout on the remodel work, it was just really cool to be, you know, part of the front end and the back end of that building. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's, that, that, I think, is the coolest part of the job. And then, of course, playing with the toys and all the new technology, I, I definitely love that. Yeah. You know, I, I tell people I work at a Lance Rivera's toy store. You know, I get to – they buy a robot, and they keep a robot for 10 years and play with it. I get to play with a new one every other week. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Dave, you and I have talked a lot about, uh, you know, people ask us questions about, like, LT versions or what's in this, what's in that. Or just on our past uh, podcast episodes where we're reviewing, like – the lower grade technology, and we're like, Dave and I don't have that issue. We have all the best and greatest toys every year. <laughs> yeah, it is so cool to play with all the new stuff. Yep, it is. It really is. Um, what would you what would you say are your favorite like workflows or your advanced the the advanced workflows that you see? So the, this is going to sound weird. You're going to laugh at me on this, but. One that I like the most right now is APL to magnet steel. Again, I'm a Topcon guy, so that's, <laughs> that's what you're going to hear. But I, I love when you can when, – when things work the way they're supposed to work, you go into APL. I say, give me my points, click drag. Give me, give me my walls, click drag. Give me my hangers, click drag. And I create this data file, and then I say, mm -hmm. make a magnet file. It's posted right up to Enterprise, and then this is the coolest part, is the guy in the field just goes, oh, I'm going to download the file. Downloads, it automatically opens, you're ready to go. Yep. I just think that is the coolest step, that there's none of this import, make sure it works, let me compare back to make sure the endpoint worked. Oops, I don't have to scale it. None of those problems. It's all ready to go. It's smooth. It's just a no-brainer. The guy in the field is working as soon as possible. Yeah. So I know it's kind of a low-tech answer but i just think it's so smooth and i love the way it works well, no, well it might be low tech but it's actually one of the biggest uh struggles that i, I run into like the biggest struggles that, that people that i run into you know big gcs even today they want to get non 
uh, non-civil, non-survey folk in with layout, you know, teaching basics of a total station, how that workflow works. And then we start talking about point creation and uh, they're like, well, you know, Civil 3D, we heard it's a big program. It's like, well, you don't have to go to Civil 3D. We're actually just going to use the building geometry. I'm going to show you 10 buttons and then you're going to place all your points. We're going to do this magical export and you're, you're going to be able to rock and roll right after that. Or your guy in the office can do this all for you in just a matter of moments. Like it doesn't add anything to the day. I can lay out 2000 points in 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just earn and burn, and, and which is what these guys want to do. And you know, you don't want concrete waiting on a on a layout guy. You don't want uh, a delivery of equipment waiting on a layout guy. You don't. Want, I don't no. want the layout guy to ever be the limiting factor on a building. No. You know well, what's crazy is I, so sorry to interrupt, but no, no, I, back on my uh, I don't I don't know if I. I've said this or not, but back in my first deployment to Afghanistan, I actually operated heavy equipment overseas, and I was operating dozers, scrapers, loaders, you know, BHLs, pretty much rollers, every piece of equipment you could you could kind of imagine, and we were still using stakes. So I had to learn all of this, just regularly operating equipment, how to read these different stakes, the grades, everything like that. Um, but seeing these workflows, you know, now that I'm getting into um, farther into like machine control and seeing how our data kind of can push out and go to machine control, right? And we have all this GPS, everything like that, that, that is allowing us to kind of adapt these surfaces, scrape these surfaces, what have you, shape these sites. And I think that like being the base of it, knowing where these footings are going to go so this dozer and then you're going to get your excavator going or any of these concrete forms that you need dug out you can get an excavator in there to do it and and dig these out with accuracy right and getting these points that i guess show you where everything is bringing all of this information together and bringing all of these workflows together in, in terms of starting with that site and then going into your vertical construction guys that come in and, and start pouring concrete, well, building forms and pouring concrete, what have you. I think it's awesome. It really is. Yeah, I, love I love that it all ties together, man. You talk about uh, you know machine control. We're talking concrete at the same time. And then talk about scanning that concrete before it dries. And then talking yeah. about laying stuff out once we have a, a slab to build off of you know where's our where's our holes where's our penetration points where's all that stuff going i mean obviously before the concrete gets poured too yes. but yep. all ties together man construction is just a beautiful chaotic thing i love it it is it is and i love how this technology is just bringing us more and more together and really Oh, you're a hippie, man. I am a hippie, dude. I will hug the I will hug these uh, these tech trees all day, oh man. Like, gosh. come on, bring it on. Let's uh, well, go. Well, Portland is called the Silicon Forest. I don't know if you've heard that before, buddy. Uh, uh, so you're in the right area, man. Hug those those tech trees. <laughs> well, um, you know. There's a lot of advanced workflows that we could dive into, especially talking about verity and verification. Um, APL was 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 great. Uh, you talked about being simple. There is really complex stuff that you can do there with mapping your standards, your template uh, inside of your MJF files, all that sort of stuff. Um, but 
all that aside, before you even get to that point, what are the common roadblocks that you see to adopting this technology? Is there anything that is always like, you know, front and center that stops? I mean, I always hear on the software side that there's, you know, there's one guy that just won't learn this. You know, he's, you know, he's been here 20 years. He's not going to learn any new technology. Is that similar for the robotic side, the scanning side, or is there something else that's out there? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's the uh, guys that just don't want to learn it. There's the guys that, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're steel tape. I sold them 10 years, 15 years ago, still works fine. Why do they need the robot? Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I generally don't see that in the larger construction firms, you know, the, those larger GCs, they get it. I mean, if, if you're that old guy that doesn't want to learn something new, you're not working at some of those construction firms anymore. Uh, the the old guys that have adopted the new technology are the ones that are still working there. They're running crews that are that are um, hanging around. Um, you know, I, I, I'm amazed at the amount of technological uh, adoption that happens at some of these larger firms. It's some of these smaller and medium firms that that are having trouble adopting this technology. That because it's worked for them. Uh, you know, they're not building 100-story skyscrapers. They're building uh, uh, warehouses and gas stations and, and strip malls and, and smaller projects that they think that they don't need this stuff at all. Yeah, the cost, they don't think the cost makes sense. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and well, I think that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, well, to, to those people, I would kind of say what you said earlier. There's a right tool for the right job. That said um, – you know, if you're talking about the ROI and efficiencies of, of robotic, you know, layout and all that stuff, or if you're doing a lot of concrete scanning, you know, implementing that stuff, the, the ROI is there. We have those numbers. We have those metrics. Um, oh, it's, it's, just, it's without a doubt. It's there, yeah. And, uh, and you can show you could show that all day and every day. And, and they, you know, part of it is, all right, the sales guys give me another ROI number that I don't need to believe because it's coming from a sales guy. Like, <laughs> don't look at me. You know, look at all the other data that's out there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so some of us just getting over that, that hump, but it, it, you know, that's not nearly as much as it used to be. Now I think the biggest thing is adapt, adopting the right technology. There's so many different technologies you can adopt to come up with the right answer. So many different products you could use yep. to come up with the right result. It's finding the right one. And of course the right one is anyone you buy from me. So I think that's <laughs> what's <you know. laughs> Oh man. So, you know, but, but there's, again, as all of them, there's, there's right answers, there's right tools for the right job. There's a lot of different answers out there. So uh, a lot of different ways you can go with it. Yep. Yeah. And Joey, we've been talking about this lately. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can go. And then there's a ladder, right, that you can start to climb. What's the best way in? Um, start looking at those entry-level programs, entry-level workflows that can kind of get you in for cheaper, and then work your way up as you need to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's again, back to the right tool for the right job. This, you know, does the, do you, if you're going to start doing construction layout, is the first thing you need to do, go out and buy a uh, VR headset. Mm-hmm. You know, it, maybe no. that's not the right first step. Or, no. uh, you know, what what is the right robot or right scanner? Um, yep. You know, I'd love to sell everybody one of our uh, Top Gun GTL units. I think they're phenomenal robotic scanning units that can do a lot. But some guys, just an LN100 is a perfect thing for them. Uh, it's just a matter of finding the right the right result for the right customer, and then and then doing what I think we really do best. Yeah, and little plug for uh, for our group is helping the customer make it work right and getting the results out of it. Because it doesn't matter what tool you get if you don't learn how to use it. 
uh, and yes. nobody has to use it, it's useless. I mean, you want to throw 50 grand at me and never use it, I'll take it, but it's not really helping you in the long term. Yes, Joey and I actually frequently talk about this on our podcast too, training and adoption. That's one of the biggest things about um, about technology. You have to train to adopt this technology. You have to adopt it. If you don't train on it and adopt it, then it's – yeah, it's going to fail you. Like if you don't try to learn it, you're, you're going to fail on it because, yeah. I mean, and where are you going? And that doesn't even matter if you're buying a, a uh, um, $15,000 robotic – LN100, or you're buying a uh, a full uh, scanning. You know, you've got you've got to be able to learn on it. You've got to be able to take the time to learn. Yep. Yeah, as as seen, I, you know, coming from the services side, I've seen that quite a bit. Where you know, somebody sells somebody a big shiny tool. You know, it was or was not the right tool for them, but for whatever reason, they never adopted it. And then they get mad that it sat there, and I'm like, well, what did you guys do to implement this and actually get the benefits of it? Well, we haven't done anything. We haven't found the right project yet. It's like, well, you bought it, but you didn't find the right project? <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's unbox yeah. this. Start, you know, and then you start showing them some stuff, you know, yeah, whether all it's of a software or hardware. projects that work for it, that all the projects they've had were going to work for this. Exactly. Yeah. Man. So, um when when customers buy say a GTL from you, do they get your personal cell phone so you can come on site and help them out, man? I just... Believe it or not, on GTLs, so far the answer is yes. Oh man, <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, because you know I that's another thing is I and it drives my wife nuts. I, I take the phone calls in the evenings, and the weekends, things like that, because I I do believe that you know we're not selling toys that people just buy because they want to buy. And we're buying, people are buying stuff from us because they're running a business. And so if they're calling us, they're having a serious issue with their business. Yep. So, you know, our, our jobs to keep them working and, and that's, it's keep them working, keep them working efficiently. So, you know, if they're calling me on a nine o'clock on a Friday night, they're having a major problem. They got concrete trucks lined up. They got asphalt coming. They got, Deliveries of, something's, uh, going, of equipment. something's going wrong. Yeah, they got uh, employees standing around that they're paying to do nothing. <laughs> you know, there's a there's something major going on. So yeah, I, well, I do my job to take take care of them. Well, it sounds like you're you're putting out bigger fires than I am. I get the yeah. nine o'clock phone calls, but it's from somebody in our Alaska office <laughs> asking me for a favor. <laughs> not not yeah. a thirty truck standing by, man. That's uh, a <laughs> you're, you're yeah, big time, buddy. But you, you got me texting you at 11 o'clock at night, like, what's up, dude? No, <laughs> man. You want to talk about Bim? Let's go. <laughs> David doesn't realize that I am three hours ahead of him, so his 11 o'clock is my 2 a.m. and one ride and answer back. Oh, yeah. Well, just this whole time difference now where I used to be – I used to work at this one little store in Kansas City, and now I got 13 stretching from coast to coast that we're going to deal with. This whole, this whole time dilation problem is drives me nuts. Oh, yeah. Well, it threw us for a loop, too, because uh, before you pointed out that when David said it's um, his 1 o'clock, your 2 o'clock, my 3 o'clock, uh, before you pointed out that that was completely inaccurate, we were actually yeah. going roll to with, roll with that, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I was like, all right, we're cool. 1, 2, 3. Sounds great. Yeah. And then There is this whole stretch of these things called the Rocky Mountains down the middle of the U.S. <laughs> 
that you oh, just eliminated man. in one foul swoop. Can we just do away with time zones, guys? Just do away with them. And daylight savings times. I, I daylight savings time is is worthless to me. Let's do away with it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that would be yeah. awesome. We stop rolling back and jumping forward and just oh, leave it man. alone. Yeah, so like one day out of the year you're extra tired, and one day out of the year you feel like you cheated death, like you gained an extra hour. <laughs> They're letting me sleep an hour longer. Are you sure? I, th- I feel like yeah, I should an hour to my life. Yes. Yeah, hey, I really love my sleeping the extra hour, and I'll give up the one hour at six months later for it. Dude, I just hate when I get on that schedule of waking up at five. And I'm like going to the gym, and then all of a sudden it becomes four. And then I'm like, four is way too early, but I'm awake. Yeah. And this sucks. I don't want to be awake at four. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Well, um, guys, I think we covered everything today. We did. Um, Jim, with that said, man, I'm already going to ask you right now to be back on another episode in the future. I love chatting oh, with you at all to. times. Love to. Love to. Yeah, yeah thank is, you. Thank fun. you very much. I'm still working on another beer, so uh, I get to drink beers on a Sunday afternoon. I love it, man. Uh, I think I'm like three scotches in right now. I'm doing the two-finger pour, so I'm, I'm being very, very conservative with my pour today. Uh, I've finished the whole bottle of the next <laughs> oh, <laughs> I finished that. That's gone. Uh, I'm going to move on. <laughs> love it, man. Love it. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys, enjoy the rest of the weekend, and I look forward to another podcast of Brewing with Ben. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you. you.